I'm Frances Beatrice Marshall, and I was born here in Bloemfontein. I can say I've always been involved with the struggle. Since I can remember, it has been a part of me. I was appointed by the president as the premier of the Free State. I can say it was not a happy feeling because Ace was sitting here waiting to be appointed as a premier and then he was not appointed. It meant that there was a lot of trouble, there was a lot of discontent. The year was 2004 and in came Miss Marshoff, a registered nurse, former MP and former member of the Executive Council for Social Development in the Free State, who was one of the principled new dawns that appear on the ANC's horizon every now and again. She was clean and she was unconnected to any of the factionalism that was roiling around her. In short, an ANC unicorn. It's very important to pay attention to what happened when President Thabo Mbeki tried to bring the Free State under control by installing Marshoff and snubbing Mahashule. For me, the, 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 the most important part was that we needed to bring stability. We needed to bring an ANC that people could believe in that they could see that this is the ANC that we have voted for and that we will see bringing about the changes to the people. And I think that was essentially what we were hoping for. I think the biggest problem was that I didn't allow the opposite group to intimidate me. I showed that I was not going to be disconnected from my position within the party as I knew that they wanted to have it and that they couldn't have it. They then felt that they had to fight me. I brought with me from social development a few people that I could trust. Nobi was then the person responsible for economic development. I took Nobi into the office to help me because I needed someone that understood the principles of the ANC and that would not back down for these guys. Nokwanda Ngombane worked as a personal assistant to the Premier and helped Marshall set up her new administration. Well, Nobi was the key person here and he felt that if the Free State modelled the national government model of a report back system of planning with policy units, there would be much more coherence and direction for the government and Beatrice would have more control and, and, and a better oversight function. And this process would be advanced. Actually, that was the time that I could see the light in his eyes again, where there was this real prospect of him participating in a meaningful way for the people of the Free State. So in other words, a more efficient government? Well, yes. Yes, a more efficient government, a more responsive government. It was certainly a nice idea. Ace wanted to be seen, and, and I think the whole thing was that he was preparing himself for the ultimate thing for president. Although we knew this was Ace's hope and this was his ambition, he just did not have the gravitas to stand and become a, a president. But the way he manipulated people was the strongest part of it. And, 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 and unfortunately, people still believe that with ACE, everything is possible and they will get to where they want to be. 
Daily Maverick presents The Highwaymen, a limited podcast series written and directed by Richard Poplack and Diana Neal and produced with support from the Friedrich Naumann Foundation. The content may not necessarily reflect the foundation's views or opinions. This is episode five, Mr. 10%. Well, interacting with people is, is, is very important. Uh, being humble, uh, hard work, uh, consulting communities. We believe in persuasion. We believe in engaging people and persuading them to see the other side. And As shadowy figures in the Free State try to undermine the Marsh of Cleanup campaign, Mahashule was working to shore up his own standing and stature within the province. This meant fundraising, regardless of its ethical or legal constraints. Marshof, as premier, had to colour within the lines. Mahashule didn't. Pat Matosa went on one of those fundraising jaunts with Mahashule. It was his first, and it was his last. We came to one well-established businessman, the white chap, generally liking the ANC. Uh, I think we're requesting either 50 or 100,000. Then the man said, I don't have that kind of money. I have only 20. Ace refused. You know, when I saw that man breaking down and cry, I said, Ace, no, we can't do that. Pointed a finger at me and said, I must keep quiet. He wants that man. I said, he insisted. So you're saying he shook this guy down? My God, the man was crying. The man was crying in front of me. Then I was making some efforts and intervention and saying, no, we can't do it. He said, I must keep quiet. This man is having money. I know he's having money, he must take it out. That man broke down and cried and counted the money in clips and gave us. I did not even touch it. I said, no, keep it. I don't want that. I mean, you can't do that. So the man becomes very cold when he's pursuing a mission. He does not blink. But not just the ANC. Indeed, for all political parties that contest elections, both internally and externally, the whole democracy machine is fueled by money. It's not always obtained via shakedown, but lobbyists, tenderpreneurs and consultants all have their ways and means. Becky's elite cabal could solicit funds in the wood-lined boardrooms of the Santanteriot and from corporations and high-minded institutions abroad. Mahashula's cabal, the ANC's less established figures, had to employ alternative means. This is what Beatrice Marshoff and Nobby Ngombane were up against as they tried to focus on governance and service delivery. Beatrice was quite a delight to work with her. She was impatient in terms of wanting things done. To work with her was to be on the roll. I mean, I, I lived on coffee those years. By six o'clock, we'd hit the road. Residents of the Free State are protesting today over service delivery issues. Here in the Free State in particular, I remember the municipality gradually going down. I remember almost the very initial uprisings were in Pumelela in 2000. So I decided to go to Pumelela, to Friedet, those towns, to actually go and interview the people there. Pumelela local municipality was not functioning. ANC councillors would not come. Nothing was working. So the residents were frustrated. 
And then there was this move to mute that which did not fit into the ANC way of thinking. Beatrice had decided then to formally form this policy coordination unit. And uh, after this formation, Nobi left the Department of Economic Affairs into the Premier's department to head that and started developing the systems and the processes of making sure that funds like the Municipal Infrastructure Grant and the Expanded Public Works Programs funds were centralized there. His group, they started persecuting him and fighting with him about anything and everything. As our colleague Peter Louis Mayberg notes, on the 21st of March 2005, there was a meeting with Mahashule's people and Premier Marshoff. There was a cabinet shuffle looming, and word is that Mahashule was going to be booted as MEC of Agriculture. Nobby's name kept coming up as someone who had undue influence over the Premier. The next day, this happened. Nobi was a very emotional person. It was very painful to watch him break down, literally, almost every day. Nobi could be a dramatic guy. He told me he's definitely going to die. They're definitely going to kill him. He, he was scared all the time. He knew. He knew, in fact, on the day of his killing, he came home around 7, had been arranged for us to watch a movie with him. The movie Nobby chose was called Ray, the story of the musician Ray Charles. The family gathered on the couch, slid the DVD into the player, and began watching. The DVD starts with Ray's brother dying, and then there's a coffin, and then Ray's mother is literally crying, and Nobby says, oh, black people, they do this everywhere. Promise me, you're not going to do this when I die. I'm like, huh, okay, whatever. Says, promise me, promise me. I'm like, okay. Nobby kept interrupting the movie to tell Nakwanda how he'd like his funeral to be planned, to make her promise there would be enough food for everyone, especially meat. He hated funerals that were stingy on the meat. He made her swear no ANC politicians would be allowed to attend and to tell those gathered at the funeral the truth about his death. So you made me make those promises. And I said, yes, that's fine. Okay, can we watch a movie now? Can we watch the movie? Then there was a car coming in. And because we were living in a cul-de-sac, he got up. I thought he was going to the kitchen. And then the next thing, we had gunshots, and I saw my daughter running, and, well, gunshots are gunshots. We ran for cover, that's the first instinct. Then I saw my daughter, and then I went for the phone. I noticed that my car is actually by the door, so I literally pulled him up, dragged him, called on for my brother, who was there, to come and help, and my siblings. I dragged him to the car and took him straight to the medical clinic. I calculated that if it's six minutes, they're about to get to medical clinic from our place. If I don't stop at the robot and I drive at breakneck speed, I will make it in probably three, four minutes. I don't know how long it took to get there, but I went straight into the emergencies and I left Nobi in their capable hands. And I took a deep breath, went on my knees, begged for his life and I got that gut knowing that he's not going to make it. 
I wanted to go to that emergency room to check on what's going on. Because I believe that a person, if you don't let them go, they will hover around. They don't give them permission to leave. And, and I believe that nobody was and is my soulmate. So I went to him and I felt him and felt cold. And I told him that, you know what, if it's time to die, it's okay for you to go. I don't know how we're going to make it, but I believe we will make it. I kissed him and I left the room. This is how it was in Bloemfontein on March 22, 2005, with Nobby and Gombane. Everyone, very much including Nobby, knew that he was a dead man walking. And no one could or would stop the bullets. Five of them shot into his body in front of his young daughter. In this chronicle of a death foretold, Nobby was marked the second he started to clean up the province. Everyone who knew him feared for him, and their direst predictions came true. Going there, going to the hospital, it was like, where's Nobby? And there's no Nobby because Nobby is lying in the side room. His chest is open. He's dead. And that was just just too much for me. Nobby was declared dead at half past ten. By that time, I think there must have been a second set of police. (laughs) We left the hospital, came back home, and the house was cordoned off. And then the third set of policemen came, and then I literally told them to go to hell. I won't give a third interview on the night of Nobby's death. We preparing for the funeral. Everything had to be according to Nobby's wishes. I was getting ready for the speech. For me, it was important that I say what I believe to be true, which I still believe to be true, that Nobby was not killed by a random person. It was a political hit. So I said those things. I didn't break down. I was wearing a white dress. And I pointed an accusation, according to them, at the mighty ANC. That was an onset, as far as I am concerned, of giving a blank check that anything and everything here in this land of the ANC government is permissible. Back to Peter Louis Mayberg. I think kind of the, the, the bizarre effect of a development like the Norman Gumari murder is that Esma Fashile wouldn't even necessarily have to have been behind it to have benefited from it. So when the murder occurs, there's this kind of perception in the province at least that somebody from that grouping was involved. Now, it might not be the case. It's, it's never been proven. But ultimately, Mahashile does benefit from it because now there's this culture of absolute fear there's this belief out there that somebody within his grouping had been responsible for the murder. The paranoia governed everything. Meanwhile, the war between Thabo Mbeki and Jacob Zuma would culminate in 2007 at the ANC's 52nd elective conference. This is where Zuma, now with hundreds of charges of corruption hanging over his head, would be cheered into the presidency and where Mbeki slunk away into the wilderness denied a third term as ANC president, to which he believed he was entitled. The number of votes received by comrade Tarbo Mbeki 
1,505. The outcome of that conference defines every aspect of South Africa today. The number of votes received by Comrade Jacob Zuma, 2,300. One of the winners in that conference was Ace Makashule. The deal is put on the table. If you back us at Polokwane to ensure that Jacob Zuma becomes president, you're finally going to get that seat at, at the big table, being the premier. You'll be elevated inside the ANC nationally, of course, because your premiers also hold that power within the organization. The Free State backing plays a role in Zuma coming to power. Mahashire becomes premier of the province, and the path is open for the likes of Atul Gupta and his family to come alongside Jacob Zuma and plunder our resources for the next decade. Have we not mentioned the Guptas yet? The three Indian brothers from Uttar Pradesh, who were the superstars of state capture? The men who bankrolled Jacob Zuma and flushed money into the ANC? They were corruption made manifest. The middlemen to the great big middleman in the sky. It became even worse than what it was before. Um... There was just this feeling of they have to surround me with people that would disseminate the way things were going. And there was a lot of pressure on me to step down at some stage. They put me down and they gave me such a lot of crap that eventually I just felt that there wasn't enough to keep me there. But I always knew that Ace was going to be the undoing of the ANC in the free state. You wanted to be a premier at all times, and his post as a premier was the most disastrous for for the free state. The things that he did and the things that happened under his premiership are never things that we wanted to see happening in the free state. So the politics changed. It became a cashless backyard, and whoever disagreed with him, knew that they were going out in the courts. In fact, they had a term called the refrigerator. They knew that they had to listen to him, and if they didn't do what he wanted to do, they would go hungry. So the politics became the literal politics of the stomach, and not just the stomach, really, because how much... How much does a stomach really need? It just became greed in its most obscene way. The stage for Mahashula's eventual success in taking power in the Free State was set by the assassination in 2005 of a public official. Nobi Ngombane's death should have dogged Mahashula into the Premier's office, but magically, it never did. A very different investigation unfolded, a horrific perversion of the meaning of justice. In July 2005, Nokwanda, her siblings Bongani and Tantiswa, and two cousins, Fuyokazi Mlambo and Sepumle Boy, were arrested and charged with Nobi's murder. The public turned on them, as did the authorities. For Nobi's case, it's very interesting, the top brass, no, no resource was spared by the state, because there was even a captain from Pretoria who came here and was also involved in the investigation. They've brought an expert from Scotland Yard. With the inquest documents, I got to see that I was followed every day. There no basis for suspicions. I was always going to be a scapegoat. I was always going to be arrested. And I did all the right things that laid the grounds 
for them to say, I'm the suspect. So there was no time for anything, but just constantly fighting for our lives. And uh, literally for those years, from the time Nobi died until after the charges were dropped 18 months later, I lived at the mercy of whichever friend felt like I needed a thousand rands extra. And I, I now know that they probably thought that I would take it lying down. That was the bad, bad move from their side. Thanks God they didn't know me because maybe they would have been harsher if they'd known that I would mount a fight. A lot of the people who were misled because they were given a certain narrative and they allowed to go on a wild goose chase, they did apologize. They were given an opportunity there in court to apologize. And a direct question was asked if there was pressure politically and a direct answer had been yes. There had been pressure to arrest us. The unraveling was beginning. Mahashula is a model for what can exist in a liberal democracy. He's the gangster politician, buying up support with patronage, making sure his enemies are out in the cold with the implicit threat of violence draped over him like a cloak. He adheres to the Russian model, but also to the model of the Tammany Hall party boss in New York City back in the old days, which was the engine of mafia-style graft and corruption in New York State by the early 1900s, where it served as the local conduit for the Democratic Party for almost 200 years. These types of guys are making something of a comeback. Ace Machashula helped set the stage for a move from ideological contestation to divisions to factionalism into a program of institutionalized corruption and then beyond that into a formalized gangster state. As always, though, there is a very human cost to this continuum. 17 years after Nobi Ngombane was assassinated, that cost is still very, very dear. Sitting here now on 1st of March 2022, I know that I did not hold it together, actually, at all. I went into a complete shutdown, the survival mode. Underneath that anger was, was the pain, was, was the trauma, sadness, anguish. And what still pains me about this lack of justice is his children. Nobby's daughter, Zandile, who witnessed his murder at the age of five, could not move on from the loss of her father. She recorded this song as a teenager. Zandile took her life when she was 18 in 2018. It ripped her apart by son, Kanya. Only now at 24, he is starting to open up about the pain of growing up without his father. There's no justice in whatever form. We're never able even to mount a civil case against the state. I didn't have resources. The pain for me is just the loss becomes compounded. I, literally, I, I just don't have words. Yeah, you know, it makes me feel like you're talking about all of us in some way, about how we feel about this country, that there's a corollary between what happened to your family and what's happened to South Africa. Yes, definitely. The ANC was responsible for Nobby's death. 
I actually want to go to the grave of this guy who introduced me to politics, my soulmate, and, and ask for his permission to get cleansed of the lies that I, I bought into. For people like me who have these communities that are becoming despondent, nobody has been plowing for the last couple of years because people are waiting for mana, and the mana is not coming. The Highwaymen is written, produced, and directed by Richard Poplack and Diana Neal, with editing and sound design by Bernard Kutzer, Diana Neal, and Tevia Turok Shapiro. The original soundtrack is written by Bernard Kutzer and Janis van der Merwe. Our deputy editor is Gillian Green. Our project manager is Catherine Kutzer. And our marketing lead is Sarah Kortman. Fact-checking and editorial oversight by Sasha Whale-Smith, with transcriptions provided by Gloria Cooper. Additional voiceover by Ayanda Charlie. Our editor-in-chief is Branko Brickich, and our executive producer is Silly Gerlambus. Production of The Highwaymen was made possible with support from the Friedrich Naumann Foundation. The content may not necessarily reflect the foundation's views or opinions. For additional archive and music credits, please visit Daily Maverick. New episodes of The Highwaymen drop weekly on IONO, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also listen to them on the Daily Maverick website. If you found this installment interesting, illuminating, or perhaps even a little life-changing, please consider leaving a review or sharing on social media.